God, we declare a dependency upon you. We need you. We just sang about it. Lord, we sang about the fact that you are absolutely amazing. You stood in our place and how powerful and wonderful your name is. So, Lord, we just give you this time and our attention and our affection to the Scripture. And we declare that without it, we are useless. Lord, we need your words in our lives. Lord, we need you to breathe into us. We need you to speak over us. And, Lord, we need you to direct our steps. You're a good father to us. And so, God, we just declare your goodness back to you. You are good. Thank you, God, for who you are to us. In spite of us, you use us. Praise God. Lord, thank your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'm going to say a name to you that you probably don't know. The name is Leslie Lynch King Jr. It's a name that really in our history books isn't there. Although this name made a massive difference to our country, maybe to your life. But see, to know Leslie Lynch King Jr., you'd have to know some things about him. He was an Eagle Scout, an All-American football player who turned down offers to play for the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions to go to Yale Law School. But to go back further, you would have to know something about Leslie Lynch King Jr. He had a dad whose name was Leslie Lynch King Jr. Senior. Leslie Lynch King Sr. was a a wool trader by trade, and he was a bad man who married a wonderful woman, and they had a son. While she was pregnant, her mother said, listen, you don't just divorce men. You stick it out with them. They they can change their stripes. And so to kind of pacify him, she named their firstborn son with his exact name thinking that maybe it would make him happy. But every night, Leslie Lynch King Sr. would go out and drink and come home just absolutely buzzed out of his mind and would beat his wife and would yell at them and go to bed. Until one night, he came home and the young Leslie Lynch King Jr. was crying incessantly and he finally grabbed a knife off the table and was going to not only kill his son, but kill his wife. As he was motioning towards his son, his wife stood between him and said, don't take another step, or I will end you. He laughed it off, threw the knife down, and went to sleep. And during that night, Leslie Lynch King Jr.'s mother moved him and her out of the house. Unheard of for her day, it ruined her name. She moved back in with her parents. She filed for divorce, which was unheard of at the time, and the judge granted it. A ruined woman with a son named after a man she no longer loved. Years went by, and one day the young woman walked into a paint store to buy some paint for her parents' house and met a man who we'll talk about here shortly. He was a nice man. A Christian man, a man with strong moral sense and 
who lived his life in the same community his whole life. They fell in love, and he married her. And he took this young Leslie Lynch King uh, Jr. into his home. He loved him like a son. And he gave him three core values that this young man would carry the rest of his life. These three things. Tell the truth, work hard, and always come home to dinner on time. He said, son, if you can remember those three things, you'll be successful in all you do. Tell the truth, work hard, come home to dinner on time. The young man had a biological dad, but now he had a new man in his life that treated him like a son. He took his name. He changed his name away from Leslie Lynch King Jr. to the new man's name and was adopted. That man was there to see him become that Eagle Scout. He was there in the stands to cheer for him as he became an All-American football player. He was there during that tough decision of whether to become a pro football player or go to Yale Law School. He was there until he wasn't one day. He passed while this young man was growing up. He was noted to say that he had two men in his life, one a biological father and one a dad. And his dad taught him valuable lessons that he'll remember the rest of his life. Now, I told you, you probably don't know the name Leslie Lynch King Jr. Because his name changed before we were introduced to him. His name was Gerald Rudolph Ford, the 38th President of the United States. A dad makes a difference. A dad just does. We need dads to arise like never before. We need dads to pray audacious prayers. We need dads to dig in deep. We need dads to lead spiritually and to pour principles into their children. It's not enough for dads to raise up young men. Dads must raise up young women as well. We must pave the way of what it looks like to depend upon a God who loves us. Dads are valuable because God put dads in a very important place. Dads are supposed to lead. And frankly, you may not have had that. You may have grown up in a household like Leslie Lynch King Jr. did with a dad that wasn't there for you, that scared you, that pushed you away. Let me just tell you what I know about God. That is not the model that God left for dads to follow. God meant for dads to look like him, to act the way he does and to lead the way he leads. God created men for a purpose. And that purpose was this, not to be domineering, <clears throat> but to act like his heart, to show the world what it looks like when men act like God created them to be. You see, from the very beginning, Adam botched his job. We get the story because we've always blamed the sin fall on Eve. Let's never forget that Eve took of the fruit and ate it and handed it to Adam who was with her. We as men have a role to take, a job to adhere to, and a legacy to leave behind. Today you can search through the stories. You can Wikipedia up Leslie Lynch King Sr. and you won't find very much. But look up Gerald Rudolph Ford Sr. He has his own Wikipedia page because he changed the course of history. He raised up a president. 
And I don't know about you, but I pray all the time for my kids that God would raise them up to greatness, that they would be world changers. But I believe this with all of my heart. They will not change the world if I will not change our home. It's our job. It's a courageous endeavor, and it is not one to be taken lightly. I believe there should be a test for every man before he can have children. Does he have capacity? Because, listen, we are not just to fill the world full of people. We're to train the next generation of people. We've lost a lot of what it meant to be a person of character and of morals only because we are seeing more and more households without a real dad showing up. April and I had this conversation the other night. And I don't know if you're out there, but I want you to hear something from me. We hear a lot about single moms raising children, and praise God for single moms. My best friend was raised by a single mom, and she did a great job. i got to tell you, there's something pretty courageous about being a single dad. And if you're out there today, I want to tell you something. Thank you for staying in the gap. Thank you for loving your children and raising them up. It's a courageous endeavor, and we don't want you to be forgotten today. Thank you for what you're doing. It's courageous. Today we're looking at the Psalms, and Psalm 63 is a prayer that I pray that we would begin to understand. Those of y'all that have a Bible that has a, a title, you can understand this. When our Bible was first given to us, it didn't have chapters and verses. We have that so that we can organize the Bible and learn to memorize it and find a page. You can just know that as things are carried to us, there's one thing that is carried. At this it says it's a psalm of David. A psalm of David, and where is he? In the wilderness of Judah. We get a couple of scriptures, by the way, from the wilderness in Judah. This one is a, a time of escape. As he is running and hiding. The 23rd psalm is also written from the wilderness of Judah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie ground in green, in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, see the wilderness? I'll fear no evil, for his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Do you see it yet? David's now in the wilderness and hiding. He's on the run. And listen to his words today. It says, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate, and without water. <clears throat> so I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I'll bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie down on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I'll rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I'll follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. But those who intend to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the power of the sword, and they will become a meal for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by him will boast, for the mouths of liars will be shut. Amen. Grant just read a scripture earlier that said that God fights our battles and I'm reminded of that now, that as men, you will face battles. And it is your job as a leader of households and as the raiser of children to fight alongside your wife and children, not against them. 
We have an enemy. We have a real enemy that wants you to believe that your wife or your children or your neighbors or your coworkers or your boss is the enemy. Because he doesn't want to show his face. But we know better. We know better. We know that as the battle rages, we must be like David and seek the face of God. God, you are my God, and I earnestly seek and thirst for you. We cannot, hear me, we cannot run on empty. It's an impossibility to run on empty. Because when you do that, at some point, you're going to run out. That's why we must seek the face of God. Because we have children that are seeking our face. And if they're going to seek our face, we have to have something that looks better than us. The other day, we were in a hotel room on our way back, and my son got really good and sunburned. And I mean, it's hurting him, and I get it. And we're trying to tell him all those lessons that we learned as kids growing up, things like toughen up, be a man. And then he took his shirt off, and he looked like an apple. And we're like, oh, yeah. And so he's standing there, and, and I didn't show him mine yet. But I'm like, dude, I know that hurts. And he's like, you don't get it. It, it hurts bad. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it. He goes, no, you don't. And I took my shirt off, and I looked just like him. I, I just look like a bigger apple. More like a pear at this point, but an apple nonetheless. And, and all of my family looked at me and went, and I don't know why looking at him we felt you know sadness and love and they looked at me and they laugh by the way I sat in a chair like the sun was here and I sat like this so this side of my body is sunburned this side bright white it's amazing I look like a flag um it's just an amazing thing though but we can empathize can't we the thing is our children are going to come to us with things that are happening in the world, and we need to be able to empathize because we've been there and done that. The most annoying thing as a father is to tell my kids, I get it. I've been there. I felt that. And them go, no, you don't, because you don't know how I feel. And you're like, no, I get it. Yes, I do. I, I felt exactly how you feel. The most amazing thing is this. We as people that are searching for God's face need to know he's felt it as well. That's why we must seek his face. We cannot run on empty. We must fix our gaze on the model that we want to become. That's why it says that. God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. David was looking for a better model than where he was in this wilderness desert. God, how do I get out of the desert? Focus on me. But God, how do I make it through? I'm the shepherd. Count on me. But God, you don't know where I'm at. I'm thirsty and I'm dying. Well, I felt that. Follow me. I've got you. Follow me. You see, I think there's something to this, dads. That if we could capture this, we would change the world. Our kids don't need us to be a better model. They need us to be like Jesus. They don't need a super dad. They don't need a superman. They need a dependent man who is thirsting for God. If they could see us thirst for God, they may get an appetite for it. But the sad part about it is we're showing our kids that we thirst for so many other things. 
We're thirsting for notoriety. We're thirsting for trophies. We're thirsting for all these things, and they grow a desire for that. We're teaching them to have that diet. The problem is this. When they leave us, what will, they leave, what will we leave them thirsty and hungry for? Will they search for Jesus when they leave our houses? Will they search for mates that have his heart? Or will they just be wanderers in a wilderness hoping to find a better model? I will not let my kids be wanderers. I will lead my children. You should lead your kids as well. They will not become something great without someone there. Gerald Ford did not become Gerald Ford because Mr. King did the right things. Mr. King showed a drastic difference when Mr. Little King showed up before Gerald Ford and he saw not just a better model. He saw a real one. He saw a real dad standing there waiting. He saw a real man who thirsted after God. That's what I want to show my children. Because it's what I saw as a kid. I saw an accountant who loved Jesus and went on RA trips. I can remember my dad, who was not a minister at the time, showing up to church every single Sunday because he loved to go. And he didn't let us stay at home. He gave us an insatiable thirst for church world. And remember, I didn't like it. As a preacher's kid, I saw the worst of it. My dad, my dad saw the best in it. He saw that while there were broken people there, we were all broken. And we all needed Jesus. And so as a preacher's kid, I lost sight of that. I lost sight that at church, we're all broken. It wasn't just the people that I was mad at. Here's why we need church. Not so that you can look like a pastor. Not so that you can look like a children's worker or a youth minister or whoever. It's so that when we come together, we can all point each other to Jesus. He's not a better model. He is the model. And we've got to capture that. We need people in our life that point us to Jesus so that when we go home, we keep pointing to Jesus. The world doesn't need another Billy Graham. He's been there. He's done that. He's with the Lord. They need a you. And they need you to be hungry for Jesus. They need you to have that insatiable desire to be around Jesus. And they need you to model that in your home. So let me give you a challenge today. Don't wait for someone else to grow hungry for Jesus. You do it. Don't wait for someone else in our church to capture the fullness of God. You do it. Don't wait for someone else to break free and pursue him boldly. You do it. And listen to me, men. Do not wait anymore for someone to lead your family. You do it. Be the man. And I know that probably sounds so terrible to say in our culture, but let me just declare to you, we need to hear it more. We need men to arise again and act like real men. This is what happens when kids have a dad and when they don't. Here's the statistics of what it looks like in households without dads. 75% of all kids in substance abuse treatment facilities, 75% grew up without dads. 71% of teen pregnancies, 71% are without dads. 
85% of children with mental behavioral disorders without dads. 63% of teen suicides without dads. Kids without fathers in homes are four times more likely to live in poverty. And 71% of high school dropouts grew up in households without dads. Our output is always driven by our input. What we put into us will come out of us. Verse 3, my lips will glorify you because your love is better than life. What we put into us will come out of us. And what comes out of us will be put into the next generation. Do we care that they act like the Lord or not? Then we better start sharing it. It is not enough to have a personal faith as a father and a mother in a household. You must share it with your children. You must teach them why it's real to you. And you must pray over them that they capture it themselves. Your kids will not be saved because you are. They won't. They've got to have their own personal walk with Jesus. But I want to tell you something. If you won't share it, they won't get it. Be a person of faith. Be bold in that. We should always stay as close to Jesus as we want our kids to. My prayer is this, that my kids, when they leave my household, will lead bolder than I do. But I'm reminded of this. Our lives always follow a leader. They always follow a leader. Our lives always follow a leader. And I'm trying to train my children to follow Jesus. How do I do that? I follow Jesus. I give him my everything and I follow after him. I pursue him with all I've got and I claim my dependency upon him with everything I am. I must pray for it. I must yearn for it. I must be like David in the wilderness. God, may I pursue you so deeply that even in my good times seem like wilderness if you're not there. In prosperity and in health and in good times, with your, without your presence, may it seem like a wilderness to me. That's got to be our prayer. And that's what our children have to see. They have to see men rise up and claim that without Jesus, we are ruined. Because we pray the next generation will get it. I don't hope that my children will. I'm praying that they will. I'm not hoping they will. I'm trying to show them. I'm not asking anybody in my world to teach my children to love Jesus. I will show them. I want to end with three statistics that I hope you'll capture today. And man, I hope you'll listen to me. Your faith matters deeply. It matters deeply. How do I know? Here they are. 3.5%. 3.5. That is how many families get saved. That means mom, dad, siblings, and everything else when a single child comes to know the Lord. When a kid comes to know Jesus, 3.5% of families also come to know the Lord. 17%. 17% is when a mother or wife comes to know Christ, her family gets saved. 17%. Did you capture that yet? 3.5, 17. Now hear this one. 93%. When dads come to know Christ, 
93% of their families follow after him in obedience to Jesus. Men, your faith matters. And so let me give you a calling today. If you're a man, hear my voice. If you don't know Jesus, let me give you one step further. If you care about your children, pursue Jesus. Because they will follow your example. They will follow after you. Be bold in it. Be strong in it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't run away from it. Live it out. Because they need to see it. And today, men, if you don't know Jesus, today is your day. I know for a fact today that my two children know Jesus Christ. That is one of my greatest things to know in my life. It's the reason I can go to sleep at night right now. Because I know for a fact that if I go or they go, we're all going to meet again before Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. Do you know Do you know today, if not, you need to be on a phone call. You need to find out now. You don't need to wait any longer. You should mark it down in your Bible and know. Know today, do my kids know Jesus? And if they don't, you need to start modeling it now. Quit being an assassin hiding away for Jesus and live it like a missionary. You were called by God to show forth his greatness. And there is no greater place than in your home before your children. Be bold. Claim that dependence upon him and let him lead you as they follow after you. Today, men, you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask you to make a bold move. Grant, why don't you and your team go ahead and come? I'm not asking you to even move anything. I'm going to ask for you to be bold today. I'm going to ask for you to do something dynamic. Because I believe this, that if we will acknowledge Jesus before men, he will acknowledge us before his Father. If you believe that like I do, then it's your time to make a difference and make a move. So are you ready? I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer that I prayed when I was seven years old in Crosbyton, Texas. It goes really simple, and I'm going to pray, but it can't be my prayer for you, you've got to have something that you acknowledge before God if you will accept him as who he is, believe he is who he says, and commit your life to him, you can be saved. But today, you've got to have that in you. You've got to have something in you that breaks forward and kind of starts to turn that cog in your head to say, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he is who he says, and if he is real, I want to know him. Men, it's time to lead And it's time to lead spiritually. Today is the day to start a new walk after him, to pursue him with full dependence and to lead our families with boldness. And perhaps the next generation will be better than we've been if we will lead them. So men, do you know him? If today you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to know today. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity here in a minute as I pray Dale and John are going to be down here. You'll see some deacons and wives on the sides. Today, you have no excuse to leave this room without knowing for certain that you know Jesus Christ. If you want to know some next steps, if you want to know how, there's all these people that are there to guide you through those. Do not leave this room without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make it the greatest Father's Day ever and depend upon the greatest Father that ever was, the King of Kings the Lord of Lords. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father God, 
May you move boldly in this time and may we never be the same. We depend upon you. So Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are in scripture. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs the saving of Jesus Christ. I believe that because he died on the cross for my sins and rose on the third day, that he can not only forgive my sins, but can forget them forever. And I believe that I want him to lead the rest of my life starting today, right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.